0: Thank y'all very much, and man, your songs, I hope y'all were listening to the words, because they go right along with our sermon today, Um, that one line, sin's curse has lost its grip on me, did y'all hear that? That's what we're going to talk about today, has a grip on us. Thank y'all, band, thank you, Aaron, for playing bass for us today, I didn't even really actually met you, but thank you, appreciate it, and I like your Yankees hat. I'll talk to you about that later, but anyway. So, as you all know, I'm a sports fanatic, and I listen to sports talk radio a lot as I'm driving down the road. I probably should be listening to Christian radio or something, but that's just what I do. And um, on one of the stations I listen to, they have this segment every day at the midday show called Big Deal, Small Deal, or No Deal. And so they talk about something in sports that's going on. Is that a big deal? Is it a small deal, or is it no deal at all? So... For instance, y'all know Travis Kelsey, who's the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, is now dating, um, you know, the pop star Taylor Swift, right? And so is that a big deal, no deal, you know, whatever. To me, it's a no deal, you know. But I was angry Thursday morning as I opened my feed on ESPN, and that's what I see. Not the score of the game, but I see Taylor Swift hugging Patrick Mahomes' wife. That's not what I want to see on my ESPN feed. That's no deal for me. But on this segment, they talk about things like that. And I enjoy listening to different personalities say, this is what I think is a big deal. That's not a big deal. That's a small deal. That's deal. all those kind of things. And then I recently heard this week also, I watched a, um, um, a video with Sadie Robertson Huff, you know, from Duck Dynasty talking about our, can- our cancel culture as we've termed it. And she said recently she was at a girls' conference where she speaks to young ladies and she's sharing the gospel message and just what an amazing conference it was and God did amazing things and they had like 300 baptisms at this conference she was speaking at and so she's posting all this stuff on her social media, you know, what a great conference it was and people canceled her and said, we're going to stop following you because you just, that was too much. That was too much Jesus stuff on there and she's like, what? thought you would be happy about that. And then she says, a few days later, after this conference to get away, I took, um, me and my husband took our two girls to Disney World, and then right after I posted pictures about Disney World, you can imagine what happened. Now everybody's going to defriend her and unfollow her because I can't believe you call yourself a Christian and you go to Disney World. Is this crazy? I mean, this is our world. I thought we had freedom in Christ, right? But somebody's going to pick apart everything you do. Is that a big deal? Is that a no deal? Is that a small deal? What What is that? So, as I think about all those things in our in our culture, that's there's a lot of questions like that in our culture. What gospel are we really hearing? What are, gospel are we really living by? What gospel are we really sharing? What is the freedom we're supposed to have in Christ? Because all those songs we just sang talked about biblical passages that tell us that we have freedom in Christ, right? And then sometimes we listen to lies from other people that tell us you don't really have freedom in Christ because you're not doing or thinking or saying the right things. That's crazy. Because that's not gospel. That's a lie from Satan, I believe, to cause disunity. So have you ever felt very passionate about something in your life and in the process of your your passion of talking about what you think is a big deal in your life, there's somebody that hears you getting passionate and getting wound up about whatever is a big deal to you and, and they say something like this, because they're not passionate about the subject, they think it's a no deal, and they say, calm down, it's not that big of a deal. Now, when you're in the middle of a passionate speech, or a rant, or maybe even a post, and someone tells you to calm down, it's not that big of a deal, that doesn't help, does it? It makes you want to say it even more. Most of us don't react well to that, It's on now. Now you got me in fight mode. And now I want to explain why it's a big deal. And you need to know why it's a big deal. And so does everybody else around me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We get to those places and why this is a big deal and why it matters. So I want to begin a new series this morning on Paul's letter to the Galatians. And in that letter, Paul is very passionate with his readers about what is a big deal. This big deal that's an issue among their community, in their churches that has happened since he brought the gospel message to them and then he left for another missionary journey and now all of a sudden he's getting word for him that they're believing something else. And this is a big deal and he has to talk about it. And that's the purpose of writing this letter. What's happening in that Christian community there is a big deal. Their freedom in Jesus is in jeopardy, and he just has to talk to them about it. So I find it amazing that Paul's passion over 2,000 years ago to write this letter is certainly was inspired by the Holy Spirit. God in all his sovereignty knew that, you know what? Every one of us in every time in history and every culture in history... We're going to struggle with this thing about what is really a big deal about the gospel. People are going to struggle with that. Is the gospel really that simple that Jesus died and we are saved? There is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Is that really true? And I believe it is. But there's people over the decades and over the centuries who have tried to tell us, no, that's not enough. And they try to enslave us again. So this is why... It's a big deal to Paul, and he just has to write about it. So we're going to look at this first chapter of Galatians, and I'm going to read the whole chapter, and some of you are going, oh, really? But it's, just, it's too good to not talk about. So we're going to start in verse 1, chapter 1, and listen carefully to these words and what Paul is saying, and see if you can't hear and feel this passion in Paul's voice and in his life about what's going on to these people that he has led to Christ. So verse 1, chapter 1, Paul, an apostle, sent not for men nor by man but, Jesus Christ, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he launches in. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under god's curse exclamation point he is fired up and as we have already said now i say again if anybody is preaching you a gospel other than the one you accepted and what you accepted let them be under god's curse am i now trying to win the approval of human beings or of god or am i trying to please people if i were still trying to please people i would not be a servant of christ I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father's. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, who's talking about Peter there, And stayed with him fifteen days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia, and I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea there in Christ. They had only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me." So I'm going to stop there, just that whole first chapter. So did you feel feel Paul's kind of fired up a little bit? He is fired up about this. Something has happened, and he is not happy about it. Someone has taken the gospel message that he originally brought to those people in Galatia that should set them free, and he feels like they're all bound up again. And he's not happy about it. Now, one of the, this is probably one of Paul's first letters because he went to Galatia. We know Paul went on three missionary journeys, and we know he went to this region on his first missionary journey. And during that first missionary journey, he gave them the gospel message. Now, he's already back from that getting ready to go on another one, and he hears these messages coming from Galatia that somebody has come in and told them that they didn't really hear the whole message, and Paul is devastated. He is upset that somebody's doing this. Now, we see a pattern in Paul's letters that we see if you read the New Testament. You can see this this pattern in most all of his letters, and it was a pattern of how you wrote letters in that day, and you have the sender identifies who they are, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ in almost all of his letters. And then there's a recipient to the churches in Galatia. We see that there. And then usually there's a greeting of some sort about uh, grace and peace be to you. And then after that greeting, there's followed by some thanksgiving. I thank God for you all, all the time. He says something like that. Or I've heard about what you've been doing and I'm so proud of you. He gives them something like that. But not in this letter. Paul says this is who I am, this is who you are, and grace and peace. But then, man, he launches right into it. He says, notice, he identifies himself as an apostle, but makes sure that, he, that they know, I wasn't sent by men, but by Jesus. This is important because he will mention this again. He identifies those he's writing to in Galatia, and then the greeting, grace and peace. These are the two words that we don't need to skim over. Well, Paul just uses that. So that's what everybody used in that culture. No, Grace and peace are important words. Grace and peace are important words, should be important words to us. Think about God wants... Paul wants us to understand that he wants all of us to have peace through the grace of Christ. And that peace we probably know for Paul means shalom. You know, you've heard in, in Hebrew it's shalom. What is that? It's not just a, a peace where there's no conflict. It can be peace that's in the midst of conflict. It's when we experience God's will on earth as it is in heaven. It's when creation is operating the way God always intended his creation to operate that is peace that is salom and Paul wants them to experience that through grace and that only comes through grace in Jesus Christ and that's what the original message was to these people and notice the gospel of grace he gives us in a few words he says grace and peace to you again those are important words not just a greeting to you from God our father and our lord Jesus Christ who gave and then he gives a just a quick synopsis of what the gospel is in a nutshell who gave himself for our sins, he's including himself in that, to rescue us from the present evil age. I thought this was the present evil age right now. And Paul's saying 2,000 years later, that was the present evil age. And I'm pretty sure anybody that's lived in any time in the world has said this is the present evil age. Am I right? There's been things all through history who have been evil in their present age because it's always been that way. But Christ has once and for all defeated all of that. And that's the core of the gospel. Christ has defeated that. And he's saying, You have been misled to believe that's not true. Jesus says, In this world you will have what? Trouble. You can say it. But take heart. I have what? Overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. And Paul believes that because it was directly revealed to him by Jesus himself. So he says, he, he came and gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God, uh, of our God and Father, to him be the glory forever and ever. Usually, again, is some time for some kind of thanks and encouraging him about something, but Paul does not in this one. He just launches right in. The gospel is under attack, and I'm going to address it. Freedom in Christ needs defending, and I'm going to defend it. So in verse 6 through 10, he talks about what this big deal is. The gospel is being attacked. And he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And you're turning to a different gospel. Who He says, it's not even a gospel at all. Gospel means what? Good news. And the, the people that are telling you this, this isn't good news. Because they're adding things to what Jesus did that don't need to be added. They're putting this burden on you of the old law, of the old covenant, and following rules and hoping you follow enough rules to get into heaven. And he said, That's just not true. It's a lie, and you need to know that. He says, I'm astonished that you're deserting that. Some people are throwing these folks into confusion. Some people are trying to, as he says, pervert the gospel, distort the gospel. And Paul has to make some sharp statements about that. He goes, If somebody's doing that, they should be cursed. And he says, again, they should be cursed. Sharp statements of how big of a deal this is to him. And then he says this, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached, again, there's that curse. He's sharp about this. And Paul is not holding back on anyone who would distort the gospel. So he gets their attention, I'm sure, as they're reading this. Does he get your attention? He's got my attention. He's like, man, he's mad. He's upset. But he has reason to make this a big deal. And he makes clear that this is not about winning the approval of humans because he's not going to win many fans in this letter. That's not winning. He'd probably won't, if, he, if he really cared about not making people upset, he wouldn't have even written the letter. He wouldn't have even brought the subject up, but he has to. He says, I'm a servant of Christ. That's where I get my purpose. That's where I get my meaning in life. Christ has been clear about Paul being his instrument to take the gospel message to the Gentiles, those who were not Jews. And Paul understands this, and that's what he's doing. And being a people pleaser and a servant of Christ, they don't mix. They don't mix, and Paul lets them know that. So what had happened here? how did this happen? How did these people who heard the original good news of the gospel hear this getting them back into chains message? Well, apparently, and we don't really know, but we just have to kind of connect the dots. Apparently, some other missionaries had come in to Galatia after Paul, and and the others had come in on that first missionary journey. And they say, hey, do you people know Jesus? They say, yeah, we know Jesus. Paul came and shared us about the message of Christ and how it was not only for the Jews, but for the Gentiles, it was for everybody, and it's a great message, and we accepted that, and we were baptized, and now we're living in the Spirit. Oh, Paul, oh, Paul. Well, you know, Paul kind of, you know, he kind of makes things simple for people, and uh, he didn't probably tell you the whole story. There's more to it, and they go, what do you mean there's more to it? He told us that was it. That was the gospel message. No, there's more to it, and you really need to follow the old law and the old covenant as well, the Mosaic law. That's important for you to have that as part of the gospel. And Paul is incensed by this because that's what he used to be, a follower of the law, a rule keeper, a scorekeeper. And it wasn't a good thing. And he has been transformed from that, and he's upset. So they came in and told this, and they've distorted it. And so what they had was not enough. Paul left out some things, and they needed to follow this law of Moses, this old covenant. Well, for these Gentiles, that means, what do you mean we've got to Embrace this Mosaic law, and, and our men have to be uh, circumcised, and our sons have to be circumcised. And the wives are going, What do you mean my husband's got to be circumcised and my son does? This is crazy. When did this happen? So they're confused. I thought the gospel was enough. And so Paul calls them out on this distortion. The old covenant had been replaced, there was a new covenant in Christ, which was and is salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the message of the gospel. Salvation by grace, through faith in Christ Jesus, period. Not all this other stuff that they were adding on. And the good news of the gospel is that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And that's what they originally heard. That was what was appealing. There's no condemnation? No. Now that you're in Christ, He took care of your sins. Now you're right with God. That is good news. But then somebody comes in and goes, oh, whoa. you're not right with God unless you're obeying the old covenant. And Paul is not going to listen to this. He's not going to have this. It's not about the law. It's not about works. It's not about performance. And these people were taking people right back into legalism. And Paul was having none of that. Because that's what he used to be. He used to be that. Paul, in verses 11 through 24, he reminds the Galatians of the gospel he received by revelation. Revelation is not just the last book of the Bible. It's when you get revealed something like John got revealed, all that stuff in Revelation. But Paul says, I received the gospel directly from Christ. And if you want to read about this, jot this down. Go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the next book, Acts. In chapter 9, Paul, there it is. Luke gives the whole account of Paul's conversion experience where it was revealed directly to him through Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He was... uh, Paul says, I didn't discover it on my own. I didn't deduce it from studying world religions and finally decided on Christianity. He says, I was in the middle of wholeheartedly following the old covenant, the Mosaic law, even as a Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees, even persecuting Jesus uh, Jesus followers. That's what I was doing. I was going door to door, arresting people, and I held everybody's coats when they stoned Stephen for being a follower of Jesus. That's how intense I was of that old way of life. That testimony does not make him look good, does it? Not at all. He doesn't care about that. Verse 13, you heard of my previous way of life, but that is his point. The gospel was revealed to him by Jesus. What do you mean it was revealed? Read Acts 9. This is what it says. He's walking along. He gets struck down completely blind, and he hears a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he goes, who are you? Who's talking to me? And he says, I am Jesus whom you were persecuting. That was the direct revelation to Paul, moved him from Saul to Paul. And guess what? That changed his life forever. He would never go back to that old way of life. And that's why he's so fired up about this. That revelation transformed him, not only in his name from Saul to Paul, but that revelation transformed Saul, this Pharisaic legalist to Paul, the preacher of grace and peace to the Gentiles. It changed him, and he's not about to let that message be distorted. And so Paul shares a story. You may not have picked up on this because I didn't, but this week as I was looking at this, there's some allusions to Old Covenant To the Old Testament prophets who prophesied about this new covenant that was coming. God's divine revelation of a new covenant for not only the Jews but for the Gentiles in Christ. So in verse 15 we hear, But when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Paul really means that. He understands that he was in his mother's womb. That's an allusion to Old Testament stuff. But also, set me apart in my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Jeremiah. And the Old Testament said almost this exact thing, that God had called him to preach and to prophesy. He didn't want to, but he was called. And so he's pointing to Jeremiah who said this. And then he says, "...was pleased to reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being." But that phrase... In me so that I might preach him among Gentiles is again alluding to the Old Testament. Isaiah's prophecy of Jesus was going to be coming. This Messiah is coming. This new covenant is coming. And it will be a light to the Gentiles. It was always God's plan to have a new covenant in Christ. And then it says, I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those apostles, but I also went into Arabia and then later to Damascus. I didn't catch this, but this is amazing when I read about it. This is the similar path that Elijah took during when God was working through him when he says, there's nobody left any good at all. It's just everybody's doomed and God's going, no, everybody's not doomed. You're not the only one good left. I've got a plan and it's going to come about. And so he's alluding to the path that Elijah took. So in alluding to the Old Testament or the Old Covenant and these prophets, Paul is showing that this was part of God's plan all along to fulfill the law in Jesus Christ, bringing good news and freedom to both Jews and Gentiles apart from works, apart from the law. We don't have to have that. And Paul shares how he did not directly go to Jerusalem and talk after his conversion, and talked to the apostles. It was three years. Did you catch that? It was three years. What was Paul doing for three years? Well, he was going, and God was continuing to reveal to him this, um, this goal, this job that he had given him to bring the message to the Gentiles. And I can imagine God revealed a lot of stuff to Paul in those three years. And then he says, I went up there and I spent some time with Peter because Peter was closest to Jesus, or one of those who was closest to Jesus. And God had been revealing his plan and purpose to Paul during all those years. And then Paul said he was personally unknown to the churches in Judea. They didn't know who he was now, but they knew who he was before. And they said, did you hear about this Paul? He's now preaching the very faith that he tried to destroy. And it said what? They praise God because of him. So Paul's own story was and is a real life defense of the gospel. And Paul wants these Galatian Christians to get back on track and to take back their freedom. Stop letting somebody put these other things on you. That's not true. And man, he knows that he will not go back to that old lifestyle ever again. He will never go back and he doesn't want to see anybody else get back in those chains. One of our long time ministers here Jim Donovan used to tell a story that I always liked and I'm going to tell it here he tells a story of back in a a bad part of our american history when slavery was a thing and during slavery in the deep south they would have auctions where slaves would would come up and they would put them in chains and put them on the auction block and people would bid for those slaves to come and work at their Um, farms or plantations or whatever it was, and it was humiliating. And one day, uh, Donovan tells a story, um, supposedly a true story, that there was a a man who kind of looked like Colonel Sanders. You know who Colonel Sanders is? A KFC guy. He's in this white suit, black tie, white beard, white hair, just a dignified. And so, this slave um, woman is brought in chains up onto the block, and And so people start bidding, and he's kind of in the background just kind of doing that real cool bidding, you know, where you just kind of hold your finger up, and he keeps bidding. And finally, people drop out, and it's down to two guys left, and he's one. And he just keeps outbidding this other guy. And it gets to be just an enormous fee for a woman slave. And the more they bid on her, the angrier she gets. I'm not a piece of meat. I'm not, I'm a human being. I'm not just a slave. And she's just so furious. And finally, the other guy drops out, and the distinguished guy that looks like, in the white suit that looks like Colonel Sanders finally wins the bid. And he walks up to her. And the first thing she does is spit right in his face and says, I will never work for you. And he just takes out his handkerchief, wipes the spit off his face, and looks at her with all the grace he can and says, I don't think you understand. I just bought your freedom. You're free to go. You're free to go. And she says... I will serve you forever now. That's a powerful story, isn't it? Because when we really realize what our freedom that we've been given, it changes how we perceive others. It changes how we pursue life. It changes how we perceive the world, doesn't it? And that's the good news of the gospel, that we are free in Christ, and we need to understand that. So if Paul were going to send us a letter today what would he say to us at Southwest? Would he be astonished that some of us are turning to a different gospel and go, yeah, I know you joined Southwest and you're a Christian now, but you need to do this, 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 and this to get involved? That can feel overwhelming sometimes. It's not that we don't want people to get involved. Don't hear that's what I'm saying. But sometimes we put things on people. Would he be astonished that we were turning to a different gospel? Would he need to remind us that Jesus gave himself for our sins once and for all to save us from this present evil age? Would he need to look us in the eyes and remind us, I bought your freedom. Now live it. I bought your freedom. Now live it. Stop living in chains. Professor Michael DeFazio of uh, Ozark Christian College was talking about the blessing that we hear about in the Old Testament, and he kind of changed it around, and this is what he came up with, and I really like this. He says, in Christ, we are saved by grace through faith. So rejoice, be at peace, and be free. i want to say that again. In Christ, we are saved by grace through faith. So rejoice, be at peace, and be free. Live like you're really free. So maybe you're sitting there today and you're not living at peace. You're not living with freedom. And that breaks Jesus' heart because that's exactly why he died on the cross and rose again so that you could be at peace and have freedom in him. He died and rose and promises to come back and take us to home with him for eternity so we can have peace even in the midst of death, even in the midst of all that's going on in our world. But do we really believe that? That's a big deal, isn't it? That's a big deal to get the gospel message right and to know that we are really saved because of grace through faith, and that gives us freedom. That gives us freedom. So maybe there's somebody here today that needs that freedom. Somebody today that needs to understand what grace and peace really are. So we're going to offer that invitation this, this morning to start that journey of saying, Jesus, I'm going to serve you forever. I know what you did for me to give me my freedom, and I want to live in that. And it's not easy. It doesn't just happen overnight. Just because you make a confession and just because you get baptized, any of y'all know that have done that, it doesn't happen overnight, does it? It's a process of growing in Christ, but it's a freedom in Christ. So we're going to offer that opportunity. Or maybe somebody's looking for a home church. And we're not a perfect church by any means, but we believe in the true gospel of Jesus Christ, that through grace in Christ we are saved by faith in Him. And if you're looking for a church like that, we offer that invitation as well. So the band's going to come up, and they're going to lead us in a song. If you have one of those decisions, I'll be right here to try to walk you through that. But for the rest of us, maybe if you're just contemplating what Paul said, we're going to think about that sacrifice that gives us that freedom. And we're going to take communion together in just a little bit. If you're a visitor with us today, a guest with us today... Um, you don't have to be a member of our church to take communion. It will be offered to you by those who will be serving you a little bit later. And so we offer that opportunity for you. And if you're here today and you want to do that, we encourage you to be a part if you'd like to. If you're not comfortable, that's okay too. But we're going to offer that. So we're going to, and we do that because we want to be, I don't know about y'all, but I need to be reminded every week. Every day I need to be reminded of what Christ did for me because that helps me live differently. And so that's why we take communion because Jesus says, don't ever forget how much I pay so that you could be free. So let's stand and let's sing. If you have a decision, just come forward at this time. <clears throat>